0: So to start off with, I just want to say uh, good morning, uh, welcome to church. Wasn't it a good time of worship this morning? If you don't know me, my name is Michael Davies, and if we haven't met and we haven't talked face-to-face uh, and you come to this church, it's probably because I'm an introvert and I haven't walked up to you. So if uh, you don't know who I am and we haven't had a conversation, come and have a chat to me. Uh, I promise I won't bite. Uh, but if you've been coming to City Reach Oakton for a, a while now, uh, you probably receive our In The Loop email. Uh, everyone receive In The Loop? And uh, if you do, you'd probably be surprised uh, to see me up here today. uh, Because it said, Pastor Graham's gonna be preaching. Uh, So what's going on? Well, uh, today I'm a late call up. Uh, But you know what, the good news is that you didn't come here today to hear Pastor Graham uh, bring God's word. Even though Pastor Graham is a godly man and a great preacher, uh, you didn't come here to hear from him, did you? And you certainly didn't come here to hear me speak this morning. What you did do is you came here because you wanted to hear from God through his word. And whoever's standing here behind the pulpit is just the messenger. You wanna hear from God through his word. And another preacher puts it this way. He says, the messenger is nothing, but the message is everything. So let's pray and ask God that we'll, uh, God will be with us today. Now uh, let's pray. Father, we just wanna say thank you for our time of worship so far. We wanna say thank you, God, that you, uh, enable us to sing these songs of worship to you and that we have your word in our hands that we can open and read. Lord, I wanna pray that you would speak to us through your word today, that we would have ears that are ready to hear, hearts that are open to what you wanna say, and that you would help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that we wouldn't just agree with what your word says, but we would obey it as well. So Lord, please uh, help me uh, to do a good job of talking about your word today Please give me the words to say and let it be your message that comes through and not my message. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, as has been mentioned, we're continuing our True Worshiping Community series today. And here at City Reach Oakton, we preach through God's word verse by verse. And if you've been here for the last few weeks, you would have seen we've made our way through Romans 12. Now we start in verse 1 of Romans 13, which is all about authority. But let me start off by telling you a story about authority. Now, there was this drug enforcement officer in Texas, a DEA officer, and uh, he was talking to a cattle farmer, uh, what Americans would call a rancher. And uh, the officer says to the rancher, I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. And the rancher says, OK, but don't go in that field over there. The DEA officer thought for a second, and then he exploded verbally. He said, who do you think you are? I am a representative of the federal government. And then he pulls out his badge and shows him the badge. He says, this badge is my authority to search every inch of your property, and I can come back again tomorrow and do it again if I need to. I don't want to have any trouble from you. No questions, just obey. Do you understand? And He puts his badge away. And what does the the rancher do? He nods politely. He apologizes, and he goes about his chores. Well, it wasn't a few minutes later that the rancher suddenly hears loud screams, and the DEA officer is running across the field. What's going on? There's something chasing him, and it's a big bull. And with every step, the bull was getting closer and closer to the DEA officer. So what does the rancher do? He drops what he's doing, he runs up to the fence, puts his hands on the rails, and he calls out to the the DEA officer, Show him your badge! Show him your badge! (laughs) Authority is often considered a negative thing in our society. But that's only because we we only focus on when things go wrong. We often forget about all the good benefits that authority brings. And I just want to give you a couple of examples to start with. Here in Australia, we are blessed to live with stable government. Independent of whoever wins the election, our lives continue on as before. We don't have to be afraid of the members of the winning party hunting down members from the opposition party and throwing them into prison or worse. We don't have election violence or people trying to stop us from voting. Now, I don't know whether any of you have seen the movie The Hundred Foot Journey. But if you have, you would would have known that the way the movie starts is there's this beautiful Indian family and they run a restaurant. And there they are one night and they're serving in their restaurant and all of a sudden, a mob turn up with Molotov cocktails and they throw it into the restaurant and drive all the people out. And the mother, of the Indian family dies in the fire. And the Indian family has no choice but to flee India. They've done nothing wrong. They were just running a restaurant. But they happen to have an affiliation with the wrong political party. And so they have to flee for their lives. They go to Europe and they learn about French cooking. It's a a really beautiful movie. But aren't you thankful that we don't live in a society like that? Here in Australia, we're also blessed uh, to live with law and order and emergency services. We see justice, help is only a phone call away, and crime is not left to run amok. We aren't in a society where bribery is common, which affects our day-to-day living. And that's not the case throughout the world. When it comes to our church, we have godly elders and pastors who don't distort the word of God, like what happened in the Middle Ages, where priests for personal gain would uh, withhold uh, or, or claim to be able to withhold the forgiveness of sins, and they would restrict access to God's word. And even in the home, we no longer live in a society where domestic violence against women and children is tolerated, where the man of the house could do whatever he wanted without risk of per- persecution. Or pro- sorry, prosecution. We are blessed to live in a society where the authority structures in our lives enable us to live peaceably. So authority is not a bad thing. God has put it in place for our good. And we look forward to the day when Jesus is going to return and reign in bodily form over this world for a 1,000 years because he will be that perfect authority and he will get everything right and he will be the perfect example of leadership for us. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1, and uh, we're going to be going through this passage uh, verse by verse, but I'll also read it out now. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So my first point is that everyone is under authority. Now you notice how this passage starts. It says every person. So what do you do when you uh, start studying God's word? You can go back to the original languages and see what see what what, what, what that might possibly mean, if I can add any clarification. Well see if you can guess what every person means in the original language. It means every person. Uh, It means every single one of us. Uh, No matter who we are, no matter how old or how rich or what family we come from or what culture we come from or what your job is. This imperative from the Lord is for everyone. There's no wriggle room. Everyone is under authority. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Right, so it includes all of us, that's great. Uh, But now that we've established that, what does subject to mean? Uh, Well, for that, I turn to uh, John MacArthur. John MacArthur says, the idea of being subject to hails from a soldier's absolute obedience to his superior officer. So you imagine a soldier taking orders from his sergeant. They're about to take a hill in a wartime scenario. There's never anything optional about a military order. When the sergeant says jump, the private says, how high? He doesn't argue whether he should jump or whether they should retreat and run in the opposite direction. There's no debate. It's just obey. Again, no wriggle room. So all of us need to submit, no wriggle room. Well, now that we've looked at that, it says now we need to look at who we need to submit to. And the phrase here in uh, Romans 13.1 is uh, governing authorities that have been instituted by God. What are governing authorities? Well, Warren Wearsby, in his Bible exposition commentary on Romans 13, says that God has established three institutions, the home, the government, and the church. So, um, if you wanna uh, do a bit more study, and you wanna see where uh, God does this, uh, Genesis chapter two talks about the establishment of the home, Genesis nine talks about where God establishes government, and Acts chapter two talks about how God starts the church. But let's look a little bit more at these governing authorities. We have the church, we have the home, and we have uh, government. What's interesting, and and I've done this deliberately on the diagram, is that these three spheres of authority don't overlap. In fact, when one sphere has tried to impact another, that's where trouble has come. For example, I'll give you two examples. When the government tried to interfere with the church, we saw religious persecution and the development of the principle of the separation of church and state. Now, if you listen to the media, they will tell you that the separation of church and state is stopping the church interfering with government. But that's not how it was originally. Originally, it was all about stopping the government from interfering with the church. Uh, In fact, history tells us that here in our own state of South Australia, that's exactly what happened. Uh, People came here from Europe to flee religious persecution. Uh, They came here so the government would stay out of church affairs. That's why up in the Barossa we have a a large uh, German population and up in the Adelaide Hills the same thing. It was actually uh, people from the Lutheran church who were running away from um, government control over the church. Another example is uh, when the church tries to impose extra-biblical rules on the home. That's where we see hypocrisy flourish and we see that happening as a pushback against legalism. You know, back in the 70s, some churches tried to impose bans on television or on drinking alcohol, but all this did was to push it underground. I know people who would hide their liquor cabinet or TV out of sight and publicly say they were against such things, but when no one was looking, they happily indulged. Now, I'm not going to wade into the debate about those particular issues, but all I'm trying to point out is that when... uh, the church tries to impose extra rules on the home, it just creates an environment of hypocrisy. People will continue to do what they want to do, and they'll just appear good on the outside. They want to look good in front of others, even if they don't share the same convictions. And Jesus had a few things to say about that. In Matthew 15:8, we read, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Well, okay, so everyone's called to submit to authority. Now we're going to look at why we are called to submit to authority. or we are called to submit to authority. Uh, Let's continue on. Romans 13, starting in verse 2. Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. I think God's word is pretty clear on these points. God has established the authorities over us that we've already discussed. This doesn't mean that God is responsible for the sins of tyrants, but only that the authority to rule originally comes from God. If we open up Daniel chapter 4 and read about King Nebuchadnezzar, we find out that he had to learn the hard way that he was God's servant, and it wasn't because he was anything special. If you remember the story about King Nebuchadnezzar, he uh, ends up being humiliated because of his pride and arrogance. But generally speaking, if we do what is right, we can live peaceable lives under the authority that God has established. But what happens if we don't? What if we do wrong? What if we refuse to submit? What if we choose to rebel? This passage, Romans 13, two to five, makes it pretty clear that if we choose that course of events, it should make us quite afraid. Because God makes it clear that his wrath will be measured out to those who oppose the leaders that God has raised up. And how does God enact punishment? By the very same leadership that we're rebelling against. They are God's servant, both to rule and to administer judgment. Well, now I wanna give a few examples about what resisting authority looks like. And the first one is, did you see that news story last week about the sovereign citizen who got arrested in Coffs Harbour, New South Wales? Did anyone see the news article about the sovereign citizen? No, that's good, I can tell you the story. Um, now, first of all, I need to explain what a sovereign citizen is. A sovereign citizen uh, is an idea that, that's come across to us from the United States, where an individual doesn't believe they should have to pay taxes and that a country's laws don't apply to them because they've just opted out. And unfortunately, it's, it's come here to uh, Australia as well. Well, let's go back to the lady who was arrested. Uh, She had two outstanding arrest warrants. Uh, She didn't have a driver's licence and she was driving an unregistered and uninsured car. She got picked up for a traffic infringement and she refused to give her name and details. And so the police had no choice but to break into her car. She's sitting in the driver's seat, the door locked, and she's refusing to get out. Well, they broke into her car. Well, so much for her opting out of society. She was taken away in handcuffs, and she's now waiting her court appearance. But you just imagine if someone like that had a car accident. Without paying licensing and insurance, there's no protection if she hits someone with her car. And if she crashed into your car, you'd be left holding the bill. But I'm sure that she still has an Australian passport and goes on holidays to Bali, and she still uses her Medicare card to access health services. Because that's what resisting authority looks like. You want all the benefits, but you don't want to submit. How else do we see uh, opposing authority working out? Well, it's also about stirring up trouble. It's the works of the flesh that we read about in Galatians chapter 5. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, slander, gossip. These are all sin, and there's no getting around it. And these are the kind of behaviors that we see where people stir up trouble. They are the heart attitudes of rebellion and opposing God's authority. What else is uh, the way that we see uh, resisting authority? What does it look like? It's also sowing discord. And for this, we turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19. Uh, so, What is sowing discord? Sowing discord is planting seeds of distrust and suspicion, against the authorities over us. And again, that, that, um, that passage in Proverbs 6 is an amazing passage, because it tells us this, not only does God hate the behavior where you sow discord, God says he actually hates the person who sows discord. Those are pretty strong words. We don't see that repeated in scripture very much. And God has reserved them for those who uh, plant seeds of distrust and suspicion against the authorities over us. What else? Recruiting and building factions, drawing people to our side, undermining unity amongst those under the same authority. And for an example of this, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter one, where we can see that the Apostle Paul absolutely calls out that sinful behavior in the church at Corinth. Well, where does that lead us? Where does that leave us? Uh, We should oppose authority. Sorry, we should not oppose authority. I've got to be careful about my words, don't I? Where does this leave us? We should not oppose authority. Even a godless authority, because God has put them in place. Instead, we should submit. Why is that? Well, submission to authority demonstrates our faith and submission to the ultimate authority in our lives, God himself. Why don't we want to submit? Because... We want to be the ultimate authority of our lives. Behind a lack of submission is a heart of self-righteousness and arrogance and pride. But those are the very things that we should have laid down when we accepted Christ, and we should never take them up again. After all, listen to what it says in James chapter four. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now after I've got quite heavy with you and I've put this uh, statement up on the slide, you might be saying to me, Michael, you're trying to build a watertight case that I can't get away from. Uh, But I have a few objections. Let's go. Let's deal with those objections. Objection number one, what if submission means violating God's word? That's That's a good objection. Well, according to John MacArthur, there are exceptions to submission, and that is specifically when obedience to authority would require disobedience to God's word. But you know what? It needs to be a conflict with God's word, not with our preference or how we see things. It's not a free pass to oppose God's authorities just so we can get our way. The bottom line is, is if you don't have a chapter and verse that's been violated, you're wanting your preference upheld, not God's word upheld. A lack of submission, because our preference isn't getting met, is sin. Now, as I was preparing this, I went through and there's a whole bunch of different biblical examples that we could cite, but I'm just going to give you one. I've already mentioned King Nebuchadnezzar already. So if we go to Daniel chapter 3, We can see how King Nebuchadnezzar made this huge gold statue and he demanded that everyone in the kingdom bow down and worship this idol. Of course, there were some dissenters. We know these names, don't we, from Scripture? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down to the idol. Why? Because they remembered what it says in Deuteronomy 8:3. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. They came to a T-junction situation. They could obey Deuteronomy 8.3 and worship God alone, or they could bow down and worship the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar had created. Well, they chose to obey God, and as a result, they were cast into the fiery furnace. But you know what? God protected them from the consequences. He protected them from the fire. He shows up in a supernatural way to protect them. Note that their opposition wasn't because they didn't like gold or they didn't like idols, but they remembered Scripture and they wanted to worship God alone. It's a direct violation of Scripture. All right, objection number two. What happens if the authorities over us sin? What happens if they make mistakes? What happens if they don't do what I want or do what I think is the right thing to do? We must remember that God is sovereign over all human events. And we've already seen in verse 1 that every authority that exists is only there because God has put it in place. In Jeremiah 25.9, King Nebuchadnezzar is described as God's servant. But what do we know about King Nebuchadnezzar? He was wicked, he was foolish, and he wasn't really much of a great leader. Another example would be Pharaoh that we read about the book of Exodus. We need to remember what it says in Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is a stream of water. In the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he will. God's able to work through even bad leadership. And just because God has placed an authority over us, it doesn't mean that they have God's stamp of approval for what they decide and do. The authority will account to God for their actions, and that's between God and them. It has nothing to do with us. It doesn't remove our responsibility to follow God and to do what he's told us to do. We still have to submit to the authority and trust God. 1 Peter 2.13 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. All right, so now we've looked at everyone needs to submit to authority, and, we need, and we've already looked at uh, what rebellion looks like and going against authority, what does submission actually look like? Let's move on to the last two verses we're going to look at today, Romans 13, 6 and 7. It says this, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honour to whom honour is owed. What does submission to the three spheres of authority, home, church, and government, look like in practicality? Well, for government, it's really pretty easy. It's straight out of the passage. Pay your taxes, pay your revenue, obey the law. How about at home? What does submission in the home look like? Listening to dad and mum, doing what they say, because they have your best interests at heart. Doing chores, helping out, caring about your family members. And of course, there's the added benefit, the added blessing to doing this. Exodus 18:12 tells us, honour your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And finally, there's the church. What does submission in the church look like? Well, we have some, um, some additional guidance, something to strengthen the position, which is uh, Hebrews 13:17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. So again, it's pretty simple. Uh, we need to submit ourselves to the elders. And for all three of those spheres, all of those different authorities that God has established, this passage also tells us that we need to give them respect and honor. And that can be hard if we don't agree with them. But that's what God's word tells us to do. And finally, if you, if you, if you think that's enough, if you're getting all that done, I've got one more thing for you. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Well, now that we've got this far, you might be asking yourself, This name of this series is True Worship in Community. What has this message got to do with True Worship in Community? Well, let me put it to you this way. If we're not in submission to authority, we are ultimately not in submission to God. If we are opposing the leaders that God has put in place over us in any sphere, how can we actually worship God? Our worship can only be genuine when sin has been dealt with. Until then, we're just the clanging symbol we read about in 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about serving without love or the held onto sin we read about in psalm 66:18 if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear me now you imagine if there was a clanging cymbal and you're trying to worship imagine if i was to i love you lord and i lift my voice did you enjoy that worship i didn't It's not just because my singing's terrible. But, you know, when we are not submitting to authority, it's like God has got his fingers in his ears and he's going, la, 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 I'm not going to hear you. Our worship will not be acceptable to God. I mean, how pleasing to the Lord could our worship be when we're not in submission to the authorities that God has put in place for our good? How can we expect God to show up in this place and do God's stuff? We pray and we say, God, please save some people, don't we? We pray and ask, God, can you please rescue some? Can some in the, in the suburbs here of Oakton and Northgate and Lightsview and surrounding suburbs, can we invite them into this church? Can they hear the gospel and then can they respond? How can we expect God to show up and do God stuff. I can't change a person's heart. Pastor Graham can't change a person's heart. Only God can change a heart. And we expect God to answer our prayer when we're gonna be in a lack of submission to him. Doesn't your heart burn for those who need to hear the gospel? How can we expect God to answer our prayers for physical and emotional healing? How can we expect God to bless our marriages? How can we expect God to work in our midst if we're going to be in submission to Him? If we if we hold on to our sin, if we we have a tight fist clenching sin, what will our church become? Our church will become ineffective and impotent and a place where no one will want to come. Now I know all of us want true worship. We want to. We long to be with other Christians and worship together. We all long for God to work in our church, but a lack of submission in any area of our life is a blocker for that to happen. Our job is not to change the governing authorities, but to submit in faith. Faith that God hears our prayers and that God can change the circumstances if he decides to, but only if we go about things his way. Our role is not to be in control, but to live a life of submission. So the question I want to leave with you is am I submitting to the governing authorities that God has set up in my life? In the home, it's children to parents. In the church, it's members to elders. In government, it's all of us to the laws of the land. And God himself, we all want to submit to the ultimate authority. And the way that we do that is first submit to the authorities over us. And then we can submit to our ultimate authority. Now, I know this has been a tough message to hear. And if I'm honest with you, it's been a tough message to preach. And I know we've covered a lot of ground in only a little time. But this is a call to submit to the governing authorities that God has instituted. And you can do that today. Uh, The first step uh, for you is to meet with God yourself. And you can do that right in your chair where you sit right now. You can tell the Lord that you're wrong, and you can ask for his grace and forgiveness. You can be confident that you can be right with God because he gives his grace generously to those who ask. Uh, the next step is to go and make it right with the authority that you're rebelling against. If you go humbly, I'm sure your apology and restitution will be accepted. You know, um, Susie and I uh, used to live in the USA, uh, just for a short time, and when we were attending church there in the USA, uh, I remember hearing testimony from uh, somebody who got up on stage, uh, just like this. Uh, In the area uh, around that church, there was a crime that was committed, and the guy had gotten away with it. Uh, The police hadn't been able to solve it. But this guy, you know what? He goes to church, and he gets saved, and he was challenged by a message just like this. And you know what he ended up doing? He ended up going to the local police station and handing himself in. They wouldn't have found him, but he was convicted. He was convicted of his sin. So he had his time in court, he was convicted of the crime, he went to jail, but he was right with God and his conscience was clean. He even started a prison ministry while he was serving time in jail. And there we were, we got to see him on the other side giving his testimony. And when he got up on stage, he had this smile from ear to ear. He was thankful that the Lord led him to make it right. It turned his life around. What about you? What about you? Do you want your worship to be free and unobstructed? Do you want your prayers to be heard and answered? Then one thing you can do is to follow the instruction here in Romans 13 and submit to the governing authorities. Today is the day we can ask God for grace because he provides generously. Through the gospel, we can have forgiveness and restoration if only we will humble ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we wanna thank you for your word. Your word is amazing because it can speak to us in so many different ways. Sometimes your word comforts us. Sometimes it challenges us about changes that we need to make in our life. Lord, I wanna pray that we will not go out from this place without uh, obeying you. If you have challenged any of us um, about things in our life, then I pray that you help us to put them right in any of the spheres of authority. But Lord, we came here today because we wanted to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, you'll continue to do that work and that you won't give us any rest until we obey what you have asked us to do. So I thank you for our time. Thank you for our time around the word And I thank you for your goodness to us. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.